Story night has been a tradition at SCUM where four people, um, two men and two women, will come up and share their story of um, their life, but more importantly, not just chronologically where they were born and how they grew up, but their relationship with God, the church, and Christians. It's their story of um, their spiritual story, if you will. So first up, we have Mr. David Glasspool. If you're blind, do I have to hold it in my hand? Are you sure? This doesn't count as my time, does it? Thank you, Leonor. She wanted me to tell a joke. I didn't have any, but thanks, Leonor. You've, you were my favorite member of the Supertones, and I really appreciate your help. Supertown Strike Back, woohoo. You're my homegirl. Okay, my name is David Glasspool, David Ryan Glasspool. I really wanted to go by the name Ryan when I first moved to Colorado two years ago, but I forgot two months into living here. Let's see, my spiritual journey. Okay, I was born and raised in Louisiana, and you may notice that I don't have an accent, but I do, and what do you know? You've probably never been to Louisiana. Argue with me afterwards if you have. Um, I, let me see this. My parents were, and they don't listen to the podcast, so let me see. I guess uh, our family was kind of what I like to call Christmas and Easter Christians, um, which means that we went to church on Christmas and Easter. Pretty self-explanatory. Either way, there wasn't like, it wasn't like Christianity wasn't taught in my family. It was more like it just kind of wasn't emphasized. I mean, it wasn't like, do whatever the hell you want and act bad and there's no absolute moral values. Like, I mean, we definitely had, you know, there were Christian principles in our household, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't made to read the Bible or to memorize any verses which would come to bite me in the butt when I went to grad school at a seminary years later. So, either way, my uh, mom's a very introverted woman. Dad's a very extroverted guy. And so, my brother's a lawyer. Either way, spiritual journey. Let's see. Christmas and Easter Christians. That's my childhood. I went blind when I was four um, from optic neuritis. If you know what that is, great. If you don't, it's not exciting enough to explain. I learned how to read Braille when I was seven. I learned how to use a cane when I was 10. And I actually started using my cane when I was 23. Um, (laughs) When I was 13, I met a guy named Matt Moss who played the bass, and we started playing music together, and it was absolutely horrible, and I praised the Lord up above it was never recorded. And he and I started going to church together, and the church we went to was kind of a charismatic, Pentecostalish kind of church, not to knock those kind of churches if anyone here goes to them. Obviously, you don't because you're here. Um, And... It was great at first, except for that I was kind of, um, because growing up as a blind kid, I guess I was kind of uh, an outcast or whatnot, left out, right-brained, perfect scum material. I didn't know it at the time. Um, And I think because of that, there was a lot of desire for acceptance. And in this kind of church that I went to, there was a lot of, it was really emotionally driven, I guess you should say, just kind of 
you know, jumping around, which is great and fine and dandy, but a lot of it was really kind of hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching. And I kind of learned at an early age that if you didn't speak in tongues or feel God, this emotional, warm, tingly feeling, then you actually weren't experiencing God at all. Um, and that affected me really badly. And Christianity was a lot of rules that I could never measure up to. I remember one time I threw away all of my secular CDs because one of my friends told me that they were of the devil and that I shouldn't listen to non-Christian music. I mean, I mean, I was 13. I was into Phil Collins at the time. Like, seriously? He thought that was of the devil. <laughs> the devil's not as intimidating as I thought, I guess. Um, and so I, the rest of high school was kind of that, was just kind of chasing this emotional feeling of God's acceptance. When I got into college, um, I remember the night before I actually moved up to North Louisiana where I went to college, I had my first drink of alcohol. Well, at the time it was woohoo! But uh, I noticed that all of those fears of God sending me down to the horrible fiery place and his anger and stuff seemed to kind of dissipate. Dissipate's a weird word. Who says that? Um, they, they started to go away, basically, yeah. And I really loved the feeling. And I didn't drink again for like another year, but I remember feeling really happy about that one time. And that was the one time in my life that I really didn't feel this, this fear of God sending me to hell because I didn't speak in tongues and because I didn't always, you know, feel his presence. Even though he was there, I just didn't believe he was there. Um... And so as, as I went through college, you know, I, I, I didn't have a lot of friends my first year. Um, I dated a girl for a year. She was my only friend, and we broke up. And since she was my only friend, she told me I needed to get more friends because I was bugging her a lot. And, you know, we had just broken up, and, no one, you know, I was just hanging out with her. She was getting tired of me. So I found some friends at the Louisiana Tech University Wesley Foundation, which is a campus ministry at the college I went to. And I started... I started developing a lot of really great relationships there, a lot of really, um, a lot of really awesome Christians there. And so I learned, I learned a lot about who God really was and that God really loved me, but I never really believed it. So I started drinking more. I picked up smoking. I was 22 when I picked up smoking, which is really stupid, by the way. Most kids start smoking when they're like 15 or something. I started when I was 22. I, I knew that I shouldn't have. Um, and I, and not that smoking is evil, but it's bad for you. And so is drinking in copious amounts of booze like I did. And so I started drinking more and more and more because I couldn't shake this feeling that God hated me. And I couldn't shake this feeling that I was going to hell. And I, I didn't know what it was, what, what I call, I didn't, I didn't have a name for it, but I guess, I guess now the best way I can think of it was I just felt like I was, uh, God, seminary terms. I felt like I was a Calvinist who wasn't part of the elect. I believed in God. I believed he existed, but I believe I was predestined to go to hell. And that way of living really sucks. And so I started drinking more and more and more. And I mean, another part of my story is I kind of indulged in maybe not the best behavior regarding the opposite gender, um, which happens a lot with people who struggle with alcohol. So you know, there was hooking up with a lot of, you know, girls, which was cool at first. But then after a while, you get a reputation and people don't want to talk to you, especially if you're involved in a church. Women won't want to talk to you because you start getting a reputation. And just the drinking became every day. And I was still friends with nothing but Christians, which was really odd. 
because I've always been around them. I've always believed in God, but I never followed him. And I remember it had gotten to a point where I think I was 24. I was 24. My drinking had progressed to so much to where I was drinking every single day and binging every single day. And, I mean, if you drink much, a good way to explain it is I was... I was drinking like four or five 40-ounce bottles of Mickey's malt liquor every day. That's how low I had sunk. That's the most disgusting alcohol you could ever possibly drink. Um, if you find yourself doing that, get help. Please. It's horrible. Um, and I was so depressed, and I hated my life. I was waiting for God to just strike me down like I really believed that he was going to. And then one night, uh, one night at the Wesley Foundation, it was about six months from when I graduated college, um, the pastor, the director, or whatnot, did a sermon on hell. And for some reason, that night it clicked with me that God actually didn't want me to go there. He actually didn't want to send me there. And he actually did love me. And I don't know why it just kind of, you know, clicked in my brain that night, but it did. And my life was amazing from then on. I had absolutely no problems and everything has been peaches and cream ever since. And that was three years ago. Um, Actually, some of the worst crap has happened to me since then. But... That was the day that I actually started following Christ. I believed in him, but I haven't always followed him. So I know it's kind of cheesy when people ask me, you know, how long have you been a believer? I always say, well, I've believed all my life, but I've only fallen for a few years. And hopefully they ask me that on a day when I actually feel like I'm following, which, you know, I'm in seminary. That's every day that I'm following because I'm so righteous. (laughs) Either way, um... It took me a while, but I finally kicked drinking. Um, I went about a year and a half uh, without drinking. I, I worked at the at the college ministry for a year. I helped lead a mission trip up to Denver. I really loved Denver. I felt like God was calling me to move here, which I never really ever felt God calling me to anything because well, I thought he hated me. So I didn't really think he was talking to me. I moved up here, and you know everything was great. I got involved here. Uh, I had kind of a bit of a, a, a stint drinking again pretty heavily for a couple of months, and it's been about a year and a half since I've had my last drink, and it's also been about three years, a little, about three, almost three and a half years since I've actually been following Christ. And um, it's got its ups and downs. You all know that. I don't really think there's anything else that I have left to say. Has it been 10 minutes yet, Leonor? Did I pass it? Did I pass the 10 minute mark? I passed it? Oh. Um, Leonor said I could say that. No, I'm not going to say this. Um, yeah, if any, and, and if anybody does want to know any more about, about my story and my, you know, if anyone struggles with this, with a belief of feeling like they're predestined to go to hell or if people struggle with booze, definitely feel free to come talk to me. Unless you're a woman who struggles with alcoholism, please go find another woman who struggles with alcoholism. That's what Leonor said I could say. Just... Feel free to talk to me unless you're a woman that struggles with alcoholism. Then just get go, get away from me. I'm not going to. Just a disclaimer so I don't come off creepy. Thank you very much and good night. I've got my script here. I would like to start by asking Amy Croft to come up here. 
My name's Cassie, for anybody who doesn't know that. I've been coming to SCUM for quite a long time now. I was born and raised in Colorado. However, one time I lived in Alabama, the South, for nine months. So if you ask me where I'm from, that's where I'm from. I love it down there, except for the tornadoes. Stay away from those. I was adopted when I was 18 months by my legal parents. The relationship I had with them was confusing, hurtful, and utterly unhealthy in every way. I remember wondering why they had chosen to adopt me in the first place. Their abuse and favor toward my older sister would constantly drive me to this dark, empty place. I could consider myself as an unhappy child who would adore even the simplest of endearments from whoever they would come. I grew up in the church, and oh how I embraced the church. The times that I was in church are my, where my fondest, proudest moments and memories come from. As a young child, I always enjoyed engaging in the things of God. I was safe there. My Sunday school teachers loved me, and I knew, knew that without a doubt. Pay me the attention that God knows I needed to, needed to have even to make it out the doors. They never suspected the abuse. After all, who would believe me if I told? I praise God, though. He had support for me that would come at a ripe young age of seven. When I discovered the secret family that I was intended to have for years to come. My next door neighbors, the Crofts. I liken the Crofts to the Cleavers. Yes, I did. I remember spending as much time over at their house as legally as possible. Life over at their house was warm and welcoming. And well, Amy would take me in, or maybe I didn't give her much of a choice. <laughs> but somehow she hardly never turned me away. I like to think I earned my keep by helping her with the dishes. I did this until I was 14. When I was 14, my parents gave me back, to the state that is, this was above all the most degrading and rejecting thing I will have ever experienced, besides getting dropped off at the truck stop on the way to church weeks before. Still, I never let go of church. I did my best in the group homes so that I could have the privilege to go to church. There I would see it as important to rise above the poor choices my peers would make, and volunteer to lead praise and worship on Sunday mornings. I was in at-risk youth programs until I was 19 when I graduated high school. What an awesome and difficult accomplishment. I did not have a home to go to after graduation. I had become a product of the state, as what you would call institutionalized. I checked myself into a Christian recovery home in Missouri. It turned out to be the worst choice of my life. I'm convinced to this day that they may be a cult. I left there only to decide that I was over God. 
I was 22. For the next three years, I would work hard to get my own place and do what I wanted. My best friend, Catherine Croft, and her new husband, Mr. Amazing, introduced me to scum. I would attend off and on for a year, living a double life. The party on the weekend, the saint on Sunday, that kind of thing. Yeah. Not a good thing. Um, I would... I would later start dating a man that would end up beating me just down the street from here. I thought it would be better after he got out of jail from that incident, but it wasn't, and I got pregnant. This was rock bottom for me. I knew God was trying to get my attention with no one, and with no one else to turn to, I humbled myself to the pleas of Amy and Catherine to turn this around and get right with God. I listened and would soon rededicate my life to the Lord and serve him no matter how hard life got. From then on, my daughter Grace and I have had it hard, but God has never let us go without. I have never done so well as I am right at this moment. In the last year, I would volunteer very faithfully at the Denver Rescue Mission in the kitchen and go as often as possible to Scum Church. I could sense God was doing something new in my life. The staff at the mission became a great support for me during these trying times in my life. Still dealing with housing problems, I would talk about these issues with the cross and with Catherine and her husband, as well as the mission. One day, staff and a couple of mission program participants suggested I apply for the Champa House, the women with children home of the Denver Rescue Mission. I was hesitant at first, but with the proper encouragement, I would soon find out it was God's will. I moved there with Grace nearly a year ago. We have been at Tuscum every, every Sunday and have made this church our home. I finished floral school with scholarships, which is very exciting. And now I have a new job, um, working at Safeway in Highlands Ranch. Boo. <laughs> the commute there is just deadly. Um, so um, I thank God for his provision and his faithfulness in this situation. We only, oh great, Grace and I only have what we have and are doing as well as we are because of God's loving mercy. Thank you. Hello. Wow. I've never uh, gotten to look at you all, um, you know, from this perspective before. So that's cool. This is a good looking church. I like it. I like it. Um, thanks, Cassie. That was that was really awesome. Well, can we pray? Will you guys pray with me for just a second? Um, God, thanks uh, for David and for Cassie and uh, just uh, the way that you've worked in their lives. And, and thanks for everyone else that's here and the way that... Uh, uh, we all have stories, and um, even though there's just a few of us that are sharing our stories uh, this evening, uh, 
we all come into this place uh, uh, with our own stories. We're on a, uh, a journey that um, we're at different places at, and I just pray that this time would be um, encouraging to everybody as uh, we celebrate what you're doing um, in the lives of a few. Uh, continue to be with us now. Amen. Um, so I don't actually remember not being a Christian. Um, so I guess that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, no, um, I, I, I grew up, uh, in the church, at least, uh, my, uh, my mom, uh, would take my brothers and I to church, uh, regularly, uh, religiously, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, it was just it was just kind of a part of who we are. I think uh, you know, grew up grew up in the Midwest, and we were we were Americans. We cheered for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and we were Christians, probably in that order. But that was just kind of the, you know, the the kind of upbringing that I had. It was just such a ingrained part of my identity. Uh, and I'm really I'm really thankful for that. Uh, I I feel really blessed. Uh, I was uh, grew up. Uh, Hearing stories from the Bible, I uh, knew about who Jesus was. Uh, I had a, I had a pretty good understanding for about who God was, you know, for a four-year-old. Um, and uh, I, I think that's pretty cool because uh, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about what it means to have faith like a child. And I actually almost remember that sometimes. Um, I remember really, really vividly. I was probably six or seven, and um, I uh, I woke up one night. Uh, with a nightmare, and I was just, I was so afraid, and it was like this total, uh, there's a monster under my bed type of thing, which I had this really, like, weird old bed that we got when my, after my grandma died, and it was, like, up on, like, up on, like, a platform with, like, drawers underneath, so I had to go up three stairs to get into my bed at night, so I was always really freaked out because if there was a monster in there, he was probably really big, too, because it's, like, way bigger than everyone else's, uh, and so I just, I, I had these, like, terrors, at night, and um, but I, I just remember, yeah, probably probably six or seven, all of a sudden thinking to myself like, God's really strong and He loves me, and uh, I'm pretty sure He's got my back. And then I, I remember thinking that and going to sleep. Which, uh, to be honest, I probably have regressed in my faith since that point in in my life, uh, which is kind of a sad thing to say for a guy that's graduating from seminary next week. Um, but, uh, but there's something to be said about just that innocent faith. Um, it was really, it was really cool because it's something that's kind of stuck with me. Um, like I guess I grew up in Iowa, uh, a town called Urbandale. And, uh, don't be confused. It actually isn't very urban at all. Uh, it's just this suburb of Des Moines that's about as kind of the quintessential Midwest suburb. Very safe, very sterile, very white. Um, very upper middle class. Um, and uh, it was a good place to grow up, but uh, I definitely, as I kind of grew and matured in my faith, I, I realized I didn't really fit in very well um, as I got into middle school and high school. Um, you know, my I was, I was fairly sheltered. Um, you know, my, my friends were listening to rap music, and pop music and whatever it is that the kids kids used to like, uh, and I was uh, I was down with DC Talk um, and uh, and the Supertones. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Dan. 
<laughs> no, uh, but I definitely, I definitely felt like I didn't fit in, and it, and it, it kind of got accentuated even further by the time I was uh, about a freshman in high school. All my my friends that I, I grew up with since, you know, eighth grade, uh, seventh grade, sixth grade, they all just kind of they started getting cars, and they would uh, kind of stop returning my phone calls, and I'd stop seeing them. And, uh, they kind of knew I was the token Christian kid. And, um, so they just, they just kind of stopped calling me because they were going to parties and they were doing this and that. And, and, uh, they didn't, they just didn't really want to invite me along with that, which I, I guess was okay, but it, it really, it really, uh, sucked a lot. I, uh, spent a lot of Friday nights at home. Uh, I really felt really betrayed and hurt. Um, I felt like I didn't add up or measure up to any of the other people that, uh, you know, they, they were ditching me to go hang out with. Uh, so what that did for me was uh, all I had really left of my, my whole world was kind of my church bubble community. I had my youth group. I was involved in a, a campus ministry, a fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, and that was kind of my, that was kind of my world. And I, and I was just like, well, if that's what I've got, I'm going to really take that. I'm going to embrace it. And, um, so I was like the Christian guy, um, and uh, and so that was that was like I would find the other people who were also down with DC Talk, and like we would talk about that, um, or you know we would have this kind of language verbiage that you know you you know when you're a Christian and you're like in the in community, um, you know it's the technical language of of being a Christian, um, so. That was kind of my world, and it was okay. I mean, I think that, you know, it was a good thing. I met this really beautiful woman uh, who uh, I eventually married in that time, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but other than that, like, high school was a really difficult time for me because, uh, like, I felt like I was very one-dimensional, and uh, it was more of a, a necessity for me to be a Christian because I, I didn't really fit in anywhere else. I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that, uh, whether it's in the church or maybe in some other kind of... Oh, hi. Hello. Um, anyways, um, I went on to college, which was cool, but I, I grew up in this kind of sheltered church, a little Baptist church, and there was a little Baptist college uh, that was just a few hours away that was connected to the little Baptist church I went to. So I went there, um, and uh, it was pretty cool because at least um, the people were there were all like me, and that was kind of a healing time for me because... Uh, made me, made me, I was able to connect with friends and made some really deep friendships in there. And, you know, the guys were Christian. They were all, you know, into the same type of stuff. Uh, they were, you know, even the ones that would go out and drink and party, which there was a lot of them, but they would do it the Christian way and, you know, go away from everyone else and not talk about it. Um, so, um, that was all good. Uh, I spent, uh, the, the junior year of my, my college experience, uh, studying abroad in England, I, I had taken uh, four years of English in high school, so I, I knew, knew the language. Um, and <laughs> so um, it was kind of a turning point for, my, for me in my life because I, I had gotten to be so comfortable. This is this like kind of Christian guy. I knew the things that you should do and you shouldn't do. And uh, I, I, I had a very, very kind of narrow uh, perspective, and then I, I got out there and I, I started hanging out. I met some Christian guys, and I, I went to church, 
And church was different. Like, instead of singing songs like we sang here, they had a liturgy, and they would, like, read things back and forth, and it was kind of weird. And um, they actually used wine when they had communion, which I'm pretty sure when Jesus, you know, I was pretty sure that when Jesus said, you know, this, you know, this, this, take this wine and drink it, this is my blood, he actually meant take this Welch's grape juice, conveniently served in a tiny little uh, shot glass size thing and eat this Wonder Bread. Um, but uh, it was just weird. Uh, it was weird because these people were Christians, uh, but they, they, had different, they had different ways of worshiping God. They had different heroes. Uh, I, I really did not know that there was anybody uh, who said anything about how to be a Christian uh, that came before Dr. Dobson and focused on the family. Uh, so I was spending there spending time um, reading theology and studying church history, and I, I kind of read about these guys like Augustine and Athanasius and St. Francis, and I'm like, but these guys are all Catholic. You know, how can they, how can they be, you know, you know, real Christian mentors to me or Christian thinkers? Uh, but uh, I, I just developed this really beautiful understanding of the church and the history and the diversity and the complexity of the culture I started hanging out with my friends over there, and they would go to places. They would go to pubs and drink beer and smoke pipes and, you know, talk about theology. And, and uh, so I, I went with them once, and I found out that beer was actually really good. Um, and uh, it, it sounds it, it sounds kind of trivial, but but I want you to understand is what happened was my my kind of world. I had kind of built this. Um, kind of understanding of myself and, uh, and this understanding of what it means to be a Christian into a very, very narrow little box of my Urbandale, Iowa, small Baptist church, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ uh, mentality. And uh, when I started to realize that uh, God is a lot bigger than that, that God's church and God's people are a lot bigger than that, uh, I really started to fight it uh, because it wasn't just about my faith, but it was this whole kind of um, appearance. It was my, it was kind of my defense mechanism, so I could fit in. This is like to be this kind of Christian guy, and I could kind of talk like this and uh, fit in here and there. And, and um, so it was a really long year. I spent uh, trying to figure that stuff out, and then I, I came back uh, um, really kind of confused and. Uh, got to be really jaded uh, and angry towards the church, uh, towards Christians. Uh, when I would hear on the radio or in my classes or things like that, because um, I felt like they they were they were only kind of representing a very small kind of flavor representation of of, of Christ and, and the church. Um, and I look back at the, the kind of the upbringing I got up in the church, and uh, it didn't really feel like, um, it felt more like I was being brainwashed in some ways than I was than being taught. Um, I felt like it was kind of a, a flannel graph propaganda, if, uh, if you're familiar with the flannel graph, uh, if you've ever gone to uh, Sunday school as a child. Um, and so I, I spent about two years just kind of avoiding Christians, uh, the church, uh, being very cynical and jaded. Uh, I just, 
I, I still love God and, 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 and love, thought Jesus was awesome, but I just couldn't stand to be around Christians. And I think you guys probably maybe can identify with that, what that feels like sometimes. Um, and uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten back in the church at all if it weren't for uh, a, a group that I, I got involved with, just a community. I, I moved into a house in South Minneapolis with a, a bunch of guys that also loved Jesus, and uh, they were really intentional about um, serving the poor in our community, and they were really intentional about being very real and authentic uh, with with each other and with me. And uh, it was the first place where I felt like I was really able to open up and be myself and say, you know what, I think Christian music sucks, and I really like beer, and I'm not going to stop drinking it. And um, just all the things that I had thought I had to do to be a good Christian boy, I, I felt liberated from. Uh, and it was it was a really difficult process because along with it was was literally I was shedding an identity and I was I was stepping into uh, to someone who was no longer part of this kind of cast you know molded Christian boy this is how I ought to be but I, I really it really enabled me to be myself uh, for the first time which is scary really scary if if you've gone through that. Um, and I had to face a lot of my shortcomings, a lot of my insecurities, uh, and it was tough. But I had I had these just really good community around me, um, just people that loved me for who I was. Um, and if you don't have that, you should really find it because it's it's really cool. Um, yeah. So I kind of I kind of have that was I you know that was years ago, and I've I've kind of grown in my uh, understanding of, of Christians and Christian culture. I, I can handle t- listening to uh, K-Love on the radio for about five minutes at a time now, so at least that's making progress. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't just get angry every time I hear people talking like, you know, the Christian language and being all fake and flowery and uh, shallow. Uh, you know, I... God uses a lot of family metaphors uh, to describe the church. You know, God is our father. We're the bride of Christ. We're all, you know, adopted sons and daughters and co-heirs. So, you know, uh, you know, he uses this family metaphor, and, and I think that's appropriate because I don't know any family that's not at least just a little bit messed up. So, you know, the way I see it now, and I've kind of, the way I've healed is just to understand that, like, we're just the big dysfunctional family of God and you know Christians are just you know they're going to be as messed up as other families are going to be messed messed up and uh that at least has given me some hope uh to just to want to serve the church and to be involved in the church and even though I don't really like it a lot of the times uh, I feel like God has really healed me in a lot of those ways um so that kind of brings me to today or us to today I'm uh a week away from graduating from Denver Seminary, uh, looking at, yeah, thanks, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's okay, hold, please hold your applause, um, but, um, you know, looking at tens of thousands of dollars in educational loans, and probably not a six-figure job coming out of seminary right away, um, and actually, as far as I can tell, no job, just right yet, um, and a new baby, and uh, probably going to move back to Iowa, which kind of freaks me out. Um, so I still feel like there's kind of a monster under my bed, just kind of waiting to jump out. Uh, but 
God's pretty strong, and he loves me, uh, so I'm pretty sure he's got my back. So that's all I got. Thanks. I'm going to sit because I'm really sweaty, and I feel like I'm going to slip. Oh, okay. I'm going to slip and fall. Um, I asked my husband Aaron what a flanagram was, and he said I failed Sunday school. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. I'd like to thank Jackie Bittner for this shirt. She literally gave it off her back, and I feel like I'm really dressed for the part now. So, um, I'm Kathy Pence. Uh, not pants, not fence, pence. Um, Aaron and I um, have been coming to SCUM since November of this past November. A um, little bit about, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born 24 years ago, and um, I have two parents. Actually, I have more parents than that, but I'll talk about that. Um, And I have a sister and a half-brother. I was born in Anchorage, Alaska. Pretty cool, but I don't remember anything, so don't ask me because I don't know. Um, And, yeah, parents madly in love, totally madly in love, and uh, divorced two years later. So Um, I have a stepdad who I I can't remember him not being there. So... um, that's pretty cool. Um, I I don't come from a Christian background or home. Um, my parents, my mom and my stepdad, um, actually still to this day struggle uh, with severe addictions to drugs and alcohol. Um, and that's kind of like how our life was, me and my sister, um, we're really close, really close. We're only like 15 months apart. Um, she, she and I pretty much lived like very like uncensored lives. Like we, I mean, the only time that I ever heard the word God was in a, in a bad way, you know. And I, I thought it was okay. Like I thought it was just an expression. So, um, but you, it's not. You can't say that in, in school or anything, especially when you're five. They don't like it. So... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think anything was wrong with it, uh, apparently. It's not good. Um, so we, we pretty much had uh, no boundaries, but that's, that's just because um, their priority was these drugs and, and alcohol. And, and um, so me and my sister had to take care of each other. Um, I First time I got a job, I was a nanny, and I was 12. And... Uh, I've been working ever since. So um, just to kind of give you an idea of, like, how things were, you know, didn't really come easily. Um, I'm totally madly in love with Jesus Christ. And um, the first time that I ever had an encounter with with him, um, I was in, like, middle school, junior high, and I actually had an aunt and uncle who were, like, all about church. I mean, they were, like, like literally, she had big hair, makeup, like, got all dressed up on Sunday. And um, they were, 
they were like all about this. So they invited me to come and, um, and my sister, um, and I fell in love with church, like with people and the environment. Um, it really was like a safe place and like my refuge, you know, that's the first place I can remember feeling safe. And, um, Unfortunately, my sister didn't feel that way because my aunt and uncle were just the Sunday big hair makeup people. Every other day during the week, they were awful, just awful people. Um, but so she kind of went the other way where I tend to cling to more positive environments and positive people. Um, she kind of was drowning her own pain and sorrows in drugs and alcohol, just like my parents drown their own pain and sorrows. And um, So anyways, I continued to go. And um, I, I actually um, went to this. I found other, like, teenagers who, you know, were all about it too. Um, and I, I had started learning about God and who he was and everything. I didn't really grasp the relationship with him until um, until they said, you know, here's the altar. Like, you can come to the altar and leave everything here, like, n- no matter what it is. And I had a lot to say. You know, I had a lot to leave. And th- the first time that I can remember, like, really understanding and grasping who God was and and what he was about was at the altar. I had this, like, you know, I was talking to Leonor, and she described it as supernatural, this, like, supernatural feeling of being totally, like, consumed by the Spirit of God. And, like, it was so real, so tangible. And I was I was really excited about it. And, and that's the first time that I really grasped the concept of God. And, and I started, like, finding other teens who kind of got it and kind of grasped that relationship and um, had some really good friends who are who are uh, really encouraging and actually one of them is Aaron Pence my husband who's right there he's hairy he wasn't always hairy um, he he actually was I pointed this out this morning and I'm going to say it again just to embarrass him because I like to do that you know um, but he was this chubby kid with braces and totally like the cutest, most adorable kid ever. Um, and everyone is always so intimidated by him. I don't know why. I, I still see that kid with braces. So um, having friends like him um, in my life really helped. High school, total breeze. Like, me and God were tight, you know. We were, like, we were doing so good. Um, I would say my spiritual life was really good. Um, it was just really hard to focus on God and focus on school and everything when I, you know, had all this stuff going on at home with my my parents and my sister going, you know, and it hurt. We were really close. So she's going down this path and had a had a kid out of high school. And um, we had this small house, really small house, uh, the kind you, like, draw when you're a kid with the little box and the triangle. Like, that was our house. I pretty much had, like, a hallway of a room, which was turned into the baby room. Um, and so it, after just working full-time um, in high school and, um, and having to come home and having parties or whatever until 4 o'clock in the morning, like having to worry about, 
you know, uh, drug deals and people slashing your tires and busting your window. It's just like not safe. And so I moved out at 17, um, end of junior year, beginning of senior year of high school. And I thought, uh, I'm 17. Where do I go? I'm not an adult and no one will really look at me like I'm an adult. Although I felt more adult than any other adult I knew. So, um, but I found a place and, um, and it was, it was good. It was hard. Um, senior year was really busy. I was involved in a lot of things in school and church and, and work. And, um, and then I eventually went to college. I went to Olivet Nazarene University, um, which was a really cool experience. Um, and again, like God and I were like doing pretty good until like, I just, I hit this wall where I was just kind of like tired, you know, and I was really tired of, of just doing all this stuff and all these good things and yet crappy things just keep happening, keep happening. And I'm like, you know, I, I started to think I'm not in God's favor, you know, and, and I was just tired. And so I just decided to stop, you know, maybe put my relationship with God on hold. And I, and I started drinking and, and drugging it up and partying. And, um, and I, I remember praying with God and, and saying, like, I, I just don't care. I don't care what happens. And um, the next thing that happened was probably another, like, really pivotal moment that I had with God um, where typical, you know, party scene and um, roofied and taken advantage of. And, um, and that was really, really difficult because that was, that was my first time and I didn't want it to be like that. And um, the, the worst thing and yet the best thing that I did um, after that, it's, it's not even that whole thing. That's not even the important part, but it's what happened after. It's what God did for me afterwards was, you know, I, I took a shower, which you're not supposed to do, but I, I felt like I, I needed to. I really felt like impure and, and unworthy and unclean. And, and I, I took this shower and I, I felt, again, this supernatural feeling with God of his tears just pouring down with me, of totally being, like, consumed, again, by the Spirit. Um, and and he, he brought, you know, scripture to mind that I had, I had been reading, and he, he brought Psalms 51, um, you know, where it talks about cleansing me of my iniquities and, you know, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me and don't cast your Holy Spirit from me. And from that moment, like, I had never felt God so real, so tangible. You know, I thought at the altar, like, he was real, tangible. And this moment, like, God was right here and, and always was. And um, so I, I, I did another 180, and I was like, okay, this is, you know, that was bad, but that's in the past, and, and I'm moving forward. So I went back to school. This all happened in the summertime. I went back, and I was an RA, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this because, uh, you know, how can I help other people when I'm going through all this? But it was a total blessing um, to be able to help um, other girls really help me.
Um, so that was good, and, and things were going good that whole year. Um, was really good, and um, by the end of the year, I, I'd kind of like met this Christian guy, and I was like, I've never dated a Christian guy before. I think I'm ready for this. I was really excited. You know, all this stuff is in the past, and like, this is my future. You know, this guy, he's the one. Um, no, that, that, that didn't happen. Um, and it was actually really bad, really bad experience in who I thought he was. He wasn't at all. Um, told me I was impure and unworthy and there was no point in saving myself because it had already happened. And, um, and again, crappy situation and, I was just, like, totally blown away. Like, are you kidding me? You know, again? Like, this is going to happen again? And I was, I don't I don't know if I was so mad at God as much as I just, I was like, I hate men, okay? I just hate men. I'm done. And, um, and I, I, again, I, I, I hit this wall with God, and I, and I just said, whatever. I, I don't know why I continue to do this when all these crappy things happen. And so I, um, I started on that destructive path again and I, um, I couldn't stop, you know, and I, I prayed to God. I had this another, this intimate moment with God and where I just said, you know, God, I, I know this is wrong. It sucks, you know, but I know that you've done so much good, but I just can't stop. And I need you to play something or someone like physically in my way and in my path to um, to stop me, and um, and that's like almost immediately when um, Aaron called me up. It was like he had always been there, and Aaron was never in the I hate men club. Like he was the exception, you know. He was like anything that I I thought a Christian guy should be was him, and he's just then and always so precious to me um and he was he 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 literally like stepped in my way like where it was just you know i i couldn't really do any of that destructive stuff anymore because you know i I couldn't do that to aaron i can't hurt him and i don't want to you know hurt him by me doing this stuff to myself so Um, it was really, it was really great and exactly like God knew exactly what I needed at the right time and at the right moment in my life. And so we continued, um, as friends for a while and, um, he's a total babe. So we, um, you know, we hit it off. Uh, okay. I forced him to marry me, but, um, that's okay. Uh, we really encouraged each other, and he was an encouragement to me. Um, and we, we started learning a lot together and growing together. Um, and getting married was so awesome. And um, he, like me, even with everything, has always had a huge passion and heart for people. And um, even my parents and my family, like, and, and, and those, those guys, um, I... I have a forgiveness and a compassion for them um, because I know we're all messed up and we all go through different things. Um, and so I, I just, my heart is to serve people 
and to um, be an encouragement and a light to people, um, no matter who they are or what backgrounds they come from or, or whatever, whether they're poor and homeless, um, which uh, I actually kind of experienced with my, my real dad. He actually was homeless for a while, which is why he wasn't in our lives um, but now he is, and we have a great relationship. And um, just being able to have a different perception and a different understanding um, has really helped. And um, so Aaron and I started praying, like, God, where do you want us? Where do, what do you want us to do? Like, um, point us to where you want us to go. And we kept getting, like, closed doors. Like, we were just like, we, we just want to volunteer. And people were like, no. I'm like, What? Who turns out a volunteer? I'm not asking for payment or anything. I don't know. People just, well, it was God's plan. Um, so anyways, all these doors were closing. And then um, we had a really good friend uh, from Olivet who attended this church for a while. And he, he always tried to get us to come. And, and we were comfortable where we were at the time. So we were just like, eh, yeah, that's cool. It's going to the earth. Weird. Um, you know, so... It, uh, it was something that was kind of in the back of our mind, but um, he, he passed away a couple years ago. And, um, and, and it was like at that same time when we were really feeling like, okay, yeah, maybe we need to go to Denver. And I was really bummed out because I was excited to share life with him. And, um, but I'm excited that we will be re- reunited again. And I know that we will, and I'm confident in God's plan um, for what he had for him and what he'll have for us. Um, so we came to Denver. It was like open arms, open emails, whatever. Uh, we were emailing a couple people, and they were kind of like, okay, what are your intentions? What are you guys, these creeps from Ohio, doing? And uh, But they were totally welcoming and said, yeah, like, just we'd love to have you. And so we came, and... And, um, and now we live in a house with like 10 other people and, uh, I'm really, really learning, uh, what, what true love is. Um, cause you learn that when you live with a bunch of people, <laughs> um, and you know, love is patient, love is kind, all that. Like it certainly is. And, um, and I don't, I don't really know the specific plans that God has for us, um, and we're still messed up, <laughs> you know, we still struggle with things, um, but we are willing and excited for what God has, and and um, the exciting thing is that God has and, and always will be right here, and um, whether I choose to acknowledge him or not, he's He's always right there, so um, I'm excited for, for what he has, and yeah.